Hi, it's Alex here. Future of Film Summit 2020 is taking place 18th to the 20th of November and tickets are available now at futureoffilm.live. The three-day event is designed to inspire, inform and empower and to create the future of film. That's our vision, that's our mission. And I wanted to share just a few of the highlights I am particularly excited about which will be taking place. So we're going to be talking a lot about virtual production both at the high end, how it's working on projects like The Mandalorian, but also how independent storytellers are utilizing these tools and techniques. We have a masterclass from Hasdalal, which is going to showcase how he has revolutionized his filmmaking, really, using virtual production. Well building, I'm delighted to confirm Alex McDowell is returning after his fantastic opening keynote last year. But we're also joined by Dr. Clifford Johnson, who is the theoretical physicist behind the Marvel Cinematic Universe, talking about how he helped build that world. What else? We have some really exciting sessions on interactive filmmaking, brand funding. We'll also be addressing the future of distribution and cinema in a post-pandemic, post-streaming world. I never said we weren't ambitious. And there's so much more. Networking, deep dive, expert-led breakout sessions on areas that you are particularly passionate about. And incredible speakers like Jason Blum, Diana Williams, and so many more. So don't miss out as we collectively discover and create the future of film. Secure your ticket now at futureoffilm.live. That's futureoffilm.live. Hello and welcome to season four of the Future of Film podcast. My name is Alex Stoltz and this is a show where we share insights and strategies from the pioneers, trailblazers and disruptors who are shaping the future of film. My guest this week is storyteller, Jess Engel. Jess is an award-winning multidisciplinary producer focused on blending storytelling with art and technology. As founder of Crimes of Curiosity, her recent mixed reality projects include Breathe, Persuasion Machines, and The Groundbreaking Spheres. Directed by Darren Aronofsky, Spheres has a few claims to fame, including having won the Grand Prix in VR at the Venice Film Festival in 2018 and also achieved what I believe is still the highest sale price for a VR project to date at its Sundance premiere. In this episode, I talk with Jess about her career, the VR space and how this is being impacted by COVID and her strategies as a storyteller, which include brand-funded work, documentaries, interactive and feature films. So this episode is going to be particularly relevant if you are a creator, producer, filmmaker, as there is a lot about how to structure your business in the new media landscape. Jess shares the different approaches and models that are proving effective to her, as well as her advice for storytellers and thoughts on the future of film. 
This episode was recorded as part of Rebels of Storytelling, which you can now watch in full at futureoffilm.live. Rebels of Storytelling would not have been possible without the incredible support of Epic Games and Unreal Engine, who are pioneering the transformation of screen storytelling. We are also proud to partner with Creative England's Creative Enterprise Programme, which has two programmes open for applications right now. Learn to succeed at international film markets with Market Trader, an intensive business development programme for talented producers who are looking to take their projects to market across the world. And Female Founders Scale Up, a dedicated and prestigious program for ambitious female founders of screen-based companies that will equip female entrepreneurs with the skills and confidence to scale their business and form a cohort of female business leaders across the regions. You can find out more about all of this at creativeengland.co.uk. If you want to discover more about the future of film, head on over to futureoffilm.live here you can check out all four seasons of the podcast, as well as access some of our other free resources like Rebels of Storytelling and the Future of Film Report. So that's all available at futureoffilm.life. So that just leaves me to say thank you for listening and please enjoy this conversation with Jess Engel. So, Jess, welcome to the show. Thank you, Alex. Thanks for having me. Thanks so much for taking the time. And I'm really excited to be talking to you today about all of your work as a producer and storyteller, working across different platforms. Um, but I firstly want to talk about virtual reality and your work in, in this space, um, particularly in the pandemic, because I guess some people might sort of think that VR might be pandemic proof. <laughs> um, but you were explaining to me how this, this, um, this uh, epidemic pandemic has um, affected your work. Yeah, definitely. Um, so I've been working in the VR and AR new media space for the past five years. And I don't think anything is pandemic proof, <laughs> but um, in terms of virtual virtual reality and virtual productions, in some ways, um, you know, because we're not shooting on locations, um, everything is built on the computer with coders and developers. So that work can still continue. The thing that is for for me that's been most affected is the distribution and the exhibition aspect. Um, because VR is still, you know, it's still a limited distribution. You're relying on people who have headsets um, and a majority of people do not own VR headsets. And so a lot of the work that I do, it goes to different museums or galleries or festivals and everything has been closed. Um, and so we've had to really rethink some of the distribution or just really pause the distribution on certain projects um, when things start to open up. So it, it has definitely, um, it's had me rethink as well, you know, what is the role of VR in this moment and what is, where does the future of this kind of go? Yeah. Do you think it might um, accelerate the sort of 
uptake of VR or, or different channels for people watching um, VR um, in the home? Um, I mean, I, I guess, I guess, you know, where where do you sort of see see that market at the moment? Yeah, um, yeah. Well, before the pandemic, um, I was more, I was very interested in distribution in like museum and gallery spaces because I did feel like for people who couldn't buy headsets or, you know, weren't ready to make that kind of investment. Um, it would be a good space for people to experience new immersive technology, kind of like a, like a theater model, you know, where when movies first came out, people didn't have projectors in their homes, but they would go to spaces, movie theaters, pay, um, you know, a nickel or a quarter, watch a movie, um, until the technology became more accessible to actually buy the stuff in your home. Um, so I was more interested in doing things like that in the VR and AR kind of interactive space. But since the pandemic, you know, I think headsets like Oculus Quest, which are an all-in-one headset, you don't need a high-end PC to run it off of. You know, I know there's been an uptick in sales there. Um, and I think more developers and creators are trying to create for that platform because it is more accessible. Um, so that's something that I've been interested in exploring. Um, the challenge with it is that it's a more limited um, processing. So if you're trying, you know, a, a lot of the stuff that I like to work on is uses like higher processing power. And so you like something like spheres, for example, um, we're actually working on what a quest version of that would be. Uh, but that requires us to have to make some creative changes to it so that it could actually run on that kind of headset. Well, uh, tell us a bit about spheres, as you mentioned it there, because uh, you s took that to Sundance in yeah. 2018, was it? Yes. Um, yes. And and it was a it was a considered a breakthrough moment, right, for for VR because it was yeah. acquired like a like a movie would be acquired for distribution. Yeah. Um, so that's an you know an amazing sort of breakthrough, I guess. Um, so tell me a bit about that project and sort of where you you know the legacy of that now, I guess. Yeah. So that project um, is directed by Eliza McNitt, written and directed by an executive produced by Protozoa. So Darren Aronofsky is one of our executive producers um, and also created um, in collaboration with Atlas Five, the production company based in Paris. And it's a three-part interactive virtual reality series that is inspired by the cosmos. Um, so we have an episode all about black holes, uh, which is narrated by Jessica Chastain. We have an episode about the planets, which is narrated by Millie Bobby Brown. And we have an episode about our planet Earth, which is narrated by Patti Smith. And the music score is done by Kyle Dixon and Michael Stein, who did the, who did the music for Stranger Things as well. So, we premiered that in Sundance in 2018. Um, we were the first virtual reality piece to sell at Sundance, uh, which was very exciting. And that really allowed us to continue to 
make the rest of the series. So the following episode uh, premiered at Tribeca. And then the full series premiered at the Venice Film Festival. It won the grand prize at Venice. Uh, We also... Uh, we also showcased at Tribeca or at Telluride Film Festival. We showcased at Art Basel, um, and we've released the series at the end of 2018, and it is currently on the Oculus Rift headset. And then we're working on a Quest version right now. Um, so that's, I mean, I feel like that's a, a good overview of it. Mm. Uh, and. Yeah, I guess. I mean, I get lots of sort of questions sort of spin off from that. But in terms of just the the yeah. business and the acquisition side, did it lead the way to more acquisitions of VR films from your from from what you could tell? It that's a good question. I think I think that um, honestly, I think we were hoping that that it would. Um, but I have not seen a lot of acquisitions in the VR space. And I think a big challenge in that is the distribution of it um, and how, you know, uh, still a majority of people do not own VR headsets. And, you know, there are there are models of like VR arcades, um, but those haven't really broken through and I feel more feel cater more to like the gaming world I would say um and then you know we haven't really quite figured out what is like the theater model for VR which I do think is something that makes sense to some degree but not in a pent up in a world where people have shelter in place so potentially like the Oculus Quest can be that access point if more people buy headsets and we can create more for that platform. Um, but we'll see, you know, I, I think that that is, that is definitely the biggest challenge in the VR space is the distribution because that also affects how you can generate revenue. You know, it's like tied, it's definitely tied to that. It's tied to funding, which is tied to distribution. So it is like, it goes hand in hand. You're listening to the Future of Film podcast with me, Alex Stoltz. I'm in conversation with storyteller Jess Engel. If you want to find out more about Jess or any of the other guests on the four seasons of the podcast, you can do all of this at futureoffilm.live. And I start this section by asking Jess about her experience at the Sundance Film Festival and how important that festival and institution has been in developing her career. Well, my relationship with Sundance has dated back to, I want to say 2011 or 2012. And um, the first time I went to Sundance was when I worked in film, actually an independent film. I worked for producer Lynette Howell and um, that we were premiering a project called 28 Hotel Rooms. And since 2012, I've been to Sundance every single year since. (laughs) So it is definitely a big part of my, my career, 
in many ways, both the festival side and the um, the lab side. Um, and uh, it was actually at Sundance. So I was I used to go to Sundance as you know working in film, going and seeing movies, um, kind of scouting, looking at new filmmakers, emerging filmmakers, and. In 2015 was the year that I went um, and really first went into the New Frontier section of it um, when it was on Main Street at Claim Jumper. And it was the year that Felix and Paul had their VR stuff. Chris Milk had Evolution Averse. Um, there was Birdly. And that was really the first time where I saw you know, storytellers an artist working with this new technology and it's something started to click for me. And I, and I was definitely just intrigued and curious about it. Um, and it was there that sort of the course of my career started to change actually. And so a few months later I moved to New York to start working at a, a like a startup VR company called virtualize and it was in New York that I really connected with a lot of the independent creative community working with new technology. Um, specifically, a lot of the creators coming out of New Inc., which is an amazing organization um, connected with the New Museum in New York that is like an incubator for artists and designers working with new technology. So I was working with different artists there, including Winslow and Melitza, um, and then in 20, I want to say 2016, we had Giant, or maybe, yeah, I think it was 2016, Giant premiered at Sundance in New Frontier. So that was really like the first VR project that um, I was a part of at Sundance. And the follow that later on in 2016, I, um, I actually attended the New Frontier Labs with Josephine Decker and, and a project that we were developing and that was a life-changing experience and I met Kamal Sinclair who was running the labs or who was yeah running the labs at the time and who's been a big influence in my life <laughs> and um and since then you know I've just continued to be a part of projects that have been up that have been at Sundance and I think that Shari Frilo, the curator for New Frontier, is really such a visionary. Um, and the way she supports artists. And um, I always think of Sundance as kind of like this benchmark in terms of new media storytelling. Um, and just being able to see the way that artists are working with the technology. Um, it's yeah, it, it definitely kind of, it's a, it's a, it's a place for me to really see what's happening in the space and to connect with the community and the artists. So it's a big part. It's been a big, big part of my trajectory, my career trajectory. And I think it's, I, I think it's mostly tied to the fact that I tend to work in the more independent spaces and obviously Sundance um, supports independent voices and and um yeah yeah no it's, I mean, it's it's pretty interesting to hear and it's you know they've, they've obviously been really strong in creating that community around yeah there. i think yeah. that seems 
and, and being really good at leading um, the, the, you know, the, the, the narrative around what, what this, you know, these new emerging storytelling forms could, could mean. Definitely. Um, and I mean, yeah. even Shari, you know, inviting Spears to come premiere at the festival, obviously that was a huge moment for the project and for everyone involved. Um, and Kamal, since working at Sundance, she now works, she's executive director of an organization called the Guild of Future Architects. And we're doing a lot of work with them. And that's been really incredible and inspiring. So, and with Breathe, actually, we're part of like this Future of Culture initiative with Sundance. Um, so I feel really lucky to be a part of the Sundance community and, you know, even, and especially people like Ruthie Doyle, who's always been super supportive of the work that I've been doing. I mean, there's just so many incredible people there. So, um, I don't really know what I would be doing (laughs) without Sundance. Well, I think it shows like, you know, how important festivals and you can be in this space and, you know, a great example of what's, what's possible, um, you know, and that's yes. in in that role. Uh, tell us a bit yeah. about Breathe because you you just mentioned that, and you were you were back at Sundance this year with with that project. That's yeah. not that's not VR though, right? No. So yeah, that project is AR. It's made on the Magic Leap headset, and it's a project that the director is Diego Galafasi, who is a he's based in in Stockholm, Sweden. He's Brazilian born and he's a sustainability scientist and a, an artist. And, um, and we were, and we made that in collaboration with the Phi Center in Montreal. And the Phi Center is this really amazing museum in Montreal that focuses on showcasing artistic projects using new technology like VR to AR and AI, machine learning, projection mapping. Um, and it's really, I think, speaking to, about the Phi Center specifically, it, I think it's one of the few places in the world, honestly, that is is a museum space that's really focused on new media art. And I always, I always joke with them, I'm like, when, when are we going to get a Phi Center in the States, in LA or New York? Like, please. Um, so I'm, I'm holding out for something like that. Um, but Breathe is a project that uses biometric sensors and, and the Magic Leap headset to tell the story of our breath. And so in it, you know, you are... And as you breathe, you're seeing the visuals of it. And so there's moments of it where you're breathing alone and you're seeing your breath. There's moments where you're breathing with other people and you're seeing how that's connected. And then um, it's meant to sort of make the invisible visible. Like we take thousands of breaths every single day. We, We rarely stop to think about it. And so it's about reimagining that connection. And I should also get, give a shout out to Steve Mangiat, who is the developer who, who did a lot of our visuals, who did an amazing job. And we worked with um, Nova Lab on this as well. And, and I worked with Nova Lab on Spheres. So they're a really fantastic French developer studio. 
Tell me now, I'd like to talk about um, Crime Curiosity, your yes. company you, you set up. Tell me, tell me about that, and you know what what is it you're, uh, yeah, what is it you're setting out to do with that company, and, yeah. and how do you how do you see that going yeah. forward? Um, and actually, before we move to that, the one thing, one other thing I want to say about about Breathe is that. You know, we premiered this in January at Sundance and we were, this was one of the projects that we were planning this, you know, doing exhibitions around like in Europe and in Montreal and in LA and everything has been put on hold, but it's been really interesting to have a project called Breathe, you know, created in the time of this pandemic where most people are wearing masks and we're afraid to breathe with other people. You know, and I think one of the things we've been thinking about with this project is how can how how can we find a way to still bring this, you know, make it accessible to people and whether that's a type of interactive web experience. Um, you know, again, I think that the point of the the point of this project is to show our relationship with this invisible world and how it is the air outside that keeps all humans alive, all animals alive, all plants alive. We're all sharing this air. We're all connected to it. Um, and we're seeing that even more so now in light of this pandemic where everyone has been sheltering in place and wearing masks. Like we're seeing the fragility of our atmosphere. And that's really what this project is about. So it is still something that we're we're looking to you know put out at some point this year and also reimagining maybe the format of it so it can be more accessible and i should also mention that zazie beats the actress she does our narration for the project yeah thanks for um elaborating on that that's uh yeah it's, it's beautiful to hear and also yeah you know painful i suppose you know in terms of the it's you you you're restricted at the moment in terms of the distribution and and uh letting people experience it so exactly uh, that sounds like a, a you know good good thing to consider of how you can repurpose it yeah and then in terms of crimes of curiosity so i started crimes of curiosity in the fall of 2017 um right as we were making spheres and it's a new media production company and creative studio based in Los Angeles. And my producing partner, Danielle Oxman, she joined last year. Um, and her background is really, she worked, she was a head of production at Vice and she's done a lot of documentary work and, you know, digital projects. And so the way that we're working is we're, we're just inspired by storytelling in all its different forms. You know, my background is in film and then I've worked with new technology like VR and AR. Danielle's worked with documentary. And so we're, we're really working across so many different mediums and platforms right now. We've Danielle and I actually both produced persuasion machines. That was at Sundance this year that it's a VR project. Um, about our data, visualizing our data with the with the same creators that did the Great Hack documentary, um, and then we're working on 
a couple documentary projects. We're working on um, even like social in projects for Instagram right now. Um, for the Guild of Future Architects, we're working on an interactive web project with the Guild of Future Architects, and I'm developing a future film. <laughs> so we're doing it all. You're listening to the Future of Film podcast with me, Alex Stoltz, and I'm in conversation with storyteller Jess Engel. If you are enjoying this episode, you're going to really enjoy the session we have at the Future of Film Summit on new strategies for storytellers. What does it mean to be a storyteller or a filmmaker in the new media landscape? And what strategies can you deploy to give yourself maximum chance of success? So secure your ticket today at futureoffilm.live. And in this section, I asked Jess whether working across multiple formats is part of the crimes of curiosity DNA. Yeah, I mean, that's exactly right. You know, I, we, we were storytellers first and what I've learned working across all these different mediums, like working across film, working across VR and AR, is that the form is, for me, first and foremost, it's about finding artists and storytellers I want to work with. And then it's about finding those stories that I want to tell. And then it's about finding the best format for those stories. And I don't, I think we're, things are starting to kind of intersect and blend together. You know, when you think about, I think things used to be a lot more siloed, like film was film, TV was TV, you know, interactive or digital, like all these things are, are very separated. But what we're finding more is filmmakers are working on TV shows and Alejandro Naritu did a virtual reality project and people who come, you know, Eliza McNitt, for example, she's studied film. She directed Spheres and now she's working on a feature film. And I think that to me, it, the form is sort of, um, the, it's, it's secondary to what the actual story is, you know, and what, what you're actually trying to tell. And the, the form of it, the medium that you use is just the tool to, to tell it in, you know, and maybe the best way to tell your story is in a digital short form format, you know, over a series of five different episodes, or maybe the best version of it is a feature film, or maybe the best version of it is an interactive web experience. You know, these are, now we have so many more tools at our disposal to tell our stories to get our stories out there to create to make meaning and create experiences for people so i i i like to think about i like to kind of explore all of it and then figure out what is the best path forward yeah and and so many different commercial models too mm. right for to, to yes. all of those things you mentioned so how does that kind of fit into your your your, your planning or your decision making and yep. you know where where are you seeing kind of opportunity at the moment yeah 
I mean, that obviously plays a huge factor in it as well. You know, it's like, how are you, what is the appetite for this kind of experience? How are you going to get it funded? Who is going to fund it? Who's going to support it? Where does this live? You know, what does the distribution of this look like? Which are all questions you need to also ask yourself when you're looking to create a story. Um, And, you know, I think that there was a huge kind of rush around VR especially in 2015, 2016, 2017, even in 2018. And I think that's tapered off a bit because um, we, we still have a distribution gap. So the, you know, the ROI, the return on investment is still, still being seen. Um, a lot of the opportunity that I'm, so, you know, this year, especially I'm starting to work with work in doc- the documentary space, which I think has, I think the documentary space right now is like so rich, you know, there's so many platforms and ways to tell docu- documentary stories. And, you know, every single major platform, Netflix, Hulu, Amazon, Apple, HBO, you know, and then they're all looking to, distrib- to distribute documentary storytelling. But then you can also think about even more alternative models for it, like what's on the web, New York Times opdocs, even um, Instagram stories. I don't know. Like I, I think that it's all there's just so much opportunity there that I've been really inspired by. And uh, similarly, in this time, you know, I've been working a lot in the VR and AR space, but seeing how headsets have created a lack of accessibility. I've been become more interested in like WebXR and interactive web where, you know, we all so many, no, I shouldn't say we all, but so many of us have computers or smartphone and there's so, there's still so much on the web that we haven't completely explored yet, you know? And I think that um, when you don't need a headset, like you're just opening yourself up to be being able to invite more people into your experience. So I'm we're I'm doing a couple of interactive pro- interactive web projects that I'm really excited about, and I and I'm excited to kind of show to be a part of um, showing people like what what is possible on the web that we have yet to explore. Um, and then you know, and then also just digital projects in general as well. I think doing stuff that is short form um, that can live on like different editorial platforms. You know, I'm, I'm also just really interested in doing things like outside of any traditional model, like outside of any traditional studio model. Um, And things are just changing so rapidly in the media landscape. Like 10 years ago, no one really ever was considering Netflix. And now it's been like the number one buyer, you know? So I think as a creator, it's just so much about, it's just really about making. And like, when you, when you look at even like the broad, you know, broad city or high maintenance or insecure, which started as awkward black girl, you know, these were all like digital, you know, digital projects that were on YouTube and Vimeo and now they're all series on like HBO or 
major streaming platforms. And it's because I think if you create a story and you build an audience, like if, if they build, if you build it, they will come, you know, like if you start to get your story out there um, and build an audience around it, then whoever the major buyers or platforms or studios are, they're going to, they're going to come knocking and pay attention to you. So to me, it's like, use what's at your disposal and just start, start making and start putting it out there. Mm. Yeah. So that sounds great. And are you, are you doing some of that too, or are you kind of also getting you know, commercial partners in place for some of these projects? Mm. Yeah, it's both. It's both. You know, um, there are certain projects that we're working on. Like one is a documentary series and we're looking to partner with a production company and bring it to a platform, like a major platform, like a Netflix or something. Um, but then we're also working on this. We've been working on during, throughout this pandemic, we've been working on this documentary series with with Resi actually like a read this reservation app and we've been profiling different restaurants throughout LA and how they've been adapting in this pandemic. And that's something that we're doing completely outside any traditional model. And we're looking to, you know, showcase it on the Resi platform. Um, and then we're also looking to, um, distribute it in, in another with a media partner potentially. So, you know, and we're also doing an Instagram campaign with the Guild of Future Architects, which are going to be the short form videos that we're going to post on Instagram. So again, that's completely outside any traditional model. Um, and that's really to start to just get these stories out there and to build audience and awareness. So again, I think it comes down to like, what is your goal with a certain project, you know? Um, and, and what's at your fingertips right now? Yeah. The Resi project sounds really interesting because from from what I understand is that they're financing that work. Um, but yeah. then I think you were explaining to me that you're, you're retaining the IP. Yes, exactly. So it's something that Danielle and I developed and we talked to Resi about it. They, came on board to support it and then we are able to retain the ip so um it's yeah it's a way for us to build that is that do you see that as being like a really how important do you see that as a production company in terms of building up your own library of ip yeah Yeah. i think if you can do it you should definitely do it (laughs) (laughs) yes because when you get to own your ip then you i mean let's take this as an example maybe um another platform or production company or studio is going to be interested in expanding upon this and because we own the ip we can leverage that opportunity and do something bigger with it. Um, and especially if you are the one who's created the idea, like you should own the IP. 
<laughs> as much as possible. Well, yeah, it, it would seem that way, right? But it's yes. um, but that's not how things kind of often work, is it? Because you, right. you know, if you talk about the streaming platforms your mm. there's deals to be done definitely and, yeah and there's content that they're hungry for great stories but you're not really um you know benefiting from that on a longer term potentially yeah it is very that is the trade-off i think mm. in this world right now you know it's you can maybe go with a more it depends on the kind of deal that you can create and the platform that you're working with, you know, some streamers are 100% want to own the IP and others can offer a more flexible deal. And it also just really depends on how important that IP is to you. Um, sometimes at the end of the day, you just want to get your project made and seen by as many people as possible. And that can lead to more work for yourself um, and more opportunity. But then like you think about the Star Wars model of it and if George Lucas had given up those, the IP, I mean, it, his life and that project, you know, that story universe would be t entirely different. So it really depends. I think that every, every project is different and your relationship with it is different. Yeah, I, I guess it, it's taking a flexible approach, isn't it? And being nimble and you know and having a variety of strategies that you can use exactly and also you know so much about definitely being nimble is like very important especially right now when everything is changing so rapidly and i think everything is learning as well you know and things just continue to build on each other and you take the lessons from your work and you build upon that and um so I'm always trying to come at things in, in that kind of mindset and understanding. I mean, Jess, you've given some, I think, really helpful pointers for storytellers and producers looking to succeed in this space. Do you have any other advice you would like to offer to a, an emerging storyteller at this point? Yeah, um, you know... I just remember when I was an assistant and I would go to panels and conferences and sit in the audience and watch producers or directors talking about their work. And I was just always thinking, how am I ever going to get into a position where I'm actually like the person being interviewed or <laughs> doing things of note and having any kind of real power or authority in in this landscape and that here I am being interviewed. So that feels really nice. And I think the thing that I've learned the most over the years is just um, find people you really want to work with, especially creatives that you really believe in and take risks, like take a leap of, leap of faith at certain points. It's so much of this is, so unpredictable when I started working on spheres I could have never predicted it would have gone the direction that it went into but I I believed in Eliza you know working with Protozoa was really amazing and I just kind of took that leap of faith and even when I started working in the VR space 
there was no guarantee. I had no idea what, where that was going to lead me, but it just felt like, okay, let's roll, you know, let's see where this goes. Um, I don't have a lot to lose, so let's just try this out. So I think it's really about finding people that you really believe in and that you really want to work with and you want to be in the trenches with and work really hard and build relationships built on trust. And it's so much of, of, of a relationship industry too, you know, where if you develop like if you develop trust with artists and with producers, they're going to continue to lift you up and bring you on projects and vice versa. As you get more work, you're going to want to bring the people that you love working with in. So that would be my, my piece of advice is just like at a certain point, take a risk, find people you really want to work with um, and just make stuff. Awesome. And Jess, lastly, what do you think the future of film is? The future of film? That's a very big question, but I actually think it's a a flawed question because when you think about the future and then you think about film, film is, is so specific and it's just one part of the media storytelling landscape. So I don't think about the future of film. I think about the future of storytelling and how stories are created, how stories are distributed, you know, how you build audiences, how you create IP. You know, I think when you, I think it's really about um, not being limited by any form, by any um, hierarchy. You know, this is totally a moment where everything is being disrupted. Uh, and we're seeing that, I mean, it's being sped up so rapidly, especially with the internet and media technology. So the, the future of it is about creating stories and getting them out there um, and using the tools at your fingertips to do so. And really, if you build it, they will come. I'm a big believer in that. way to end it there that was my conversation with jess engel recorded earlier in 2020 if you want to find out more about jess or any of the other guests on the show you can do all of this at futureoffilm.live this is also where you can check out the future of film summit of course and secure your ticket and if you haven't already what are you waiting for so i do hope to see you then if not sooner back here on the podcast. Thank you for listening.